Welcome back to the Spoken D podcast with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. Hello, Matt. Hey. And all, we always try to come up with topics right before we go on air, so that way we're uh, fresh and you know we haven't thought about things too much, which probably already have gotten that point now, but uh, I was going to put on a little bit of color today, but after looking at Matt's shirt, <laughs> I said, uh, I think we have all we need, so we'll see if we can work his shirt into the podcast. Hey, the patterns, you know, got to do more than three shirts at some point, so... No clash with the socks. Now I haven't. Yeah, that does clash quite a bit. Now I have an axe, and I swing that quite a bit at home. <laughs> do you? Do you swing an axe? Not lately, but uh, you know, maybe the shirt will inspire. Like, where'd you even find that? A discount rack at one of the stores. <laughs> well, this you know delves right into our topic for today, which is prior authorizations for medications, procedures, uh, which is a hot topic right now. Uh, if you're reading around, the uh, CMS and folks have been pushing and doctor groups and a lot of provider groups and business folks have been pushing that, uh, hey, why is there so much prior authorization going on? So can you explain to folks what prior authorization <laughs> is? <laughs> prior authorization in my own words, is when the physician and insurance company potentially differ on what your next course of treatment should be. And we have to prove to the insurance that we're right, more or less. Right? Oh, so it's not that we're right until proven wrong. <laughs> we have to prove that we're right? right. We have to prove innocence, not So isn't that interesting? That's guilty. even, yeah, that's even worse than the judicial system. So, <laughs> so uh Somebody, uh, uh, the physicians and providers didn't do a very good job of uh, getting that on our side to begin with, did it? So, no. but that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, you're you're writing something, procedure, med, some type of treatment that the insurance is saying. Well, maybe there's a reason why, based on insurance policies, we would deny it, or for either X, Y, Z concern. Usually, though, it's well, we think there's a more cost-effective alternative to be tried first. Yeah, so th these, uh, in our estimation, this is one of the big reasons that healthcare costs have gone up, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So if we go back 40 to 50 years, it used to be that the, the provider, the doctor, would order something, and for the most part, uh, the procedure, whether it was a surgery, a medicine, uh, the patient could get it. Mm -hmm. uh, over the, at least the last 20 years, uh, it has become more and more difficult and what many would say insane to get uh, various things approved. Mm -hmm. And what can be really in, uh, difficult is you'll have a patient who's been on insurance for, we'll say it's 2023, and it's been approved, and they've the medicine's been approved for a couple years even, and they change insurance, and they get new insurance in 2024, and all of a sudden now it's not a good medicine anymore, so <laughs> they can't get it. They need a prior authorization for it. Or some medicines, even with the same insurance company, uh, it's good for 12 months, even though they have a chronic condition, and then every 12 months you have to put in a prior auth again. Mm -hmm. So, so. Can we talk about some of the mechanics of a prior auth? 
So I think some people think, oh, the insurance denies it. So they go to the pharmacy, the insurance denies it. Well, why doesn't the uh, doctor just tell them to approve it? What's the problem? <laughs> That'd be nice, right? The, I mean, it somewhat, I think, varies based on what the prior auth is for. I think meds versus procedures sometimes differ in uh, process for the clinic. But in general, prior authorization means if, if it comes up, my understanding, and I do not deal with them as much as you do, luckily, for me, um, is what the insurance is first saying is, based on the information the insurance has, you don't meet criteria for that treatment plan. So either, oh, to receive this med, the insurance says you have to have tried and failed these four meds, and they don't have record of you trying those four meds. So... They send, oh, we need a prior authorization, which is submit all the information of they've been on these meds, when they were on these meds, how long they were on the meds. And then we get into the conversation of sometimes does our clinic have that information? Right? Were you on all those meds in our clinic, or do we have to go find from your previous doctor if we're able to access that information, what we put on the prior auth? And then that's generally the simplest step is to just say, here's the... The information that you didn't have, here you go, please uh, <laughs> please approve. Well, you know, even that would seem simple. So if you, let's look at this like diagnoses. So if we have uh, the DSM-5 for psychiatry with diagnoses, or you have surgery codes or hypertension, there's standard criteria for what you have to meet for those diagnoses, right? Mm-hmm. So I take it for a medication to be approved. Let's just take bipolar disorder. And let's just, there's, there's just a medicine you're trying to get approved. I take it every insurance company has the exact same criteria. They must be standard. Uh, so if you meet the criteria, you've met it for all insurance. You'd think so, but no. Insurance, there's not a standardization of care across insurance companies. Well, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> does it <laughs> i mean how do you how do you play that game right well that's the big question that uh there's different answers out there on why that so comes folks this is where the shirt comes into play so matt is wearing a checkerboard shirt today right so if we were playing chess we would know <laughs> where to put the pieces on his chest and his stomach and um, how those move but the problem is is that for every insurance company, and sometimes uh, an insurance company might have many different plans that are all under their mm -hmm. company. Uh, the board changes and the pieces change for each insurance. How are you supposed to, there's There's no way to know. It's just impossible to know what's going to be approved yeah. from and, patient to patient. And they don't, they aren't required to make sure we know when they make changes, right? Like we found a, a policy recently for a, a service that we do that they said updated February 2023, but backdated to October 2022. Well, how can you have a policy backdate? <laughs> <laughs> but you were denying the whole time, right? Yeah, for those. Yeah, so that's a... Uh... But what we know from the news, right? And I forget the specifics, so you might remember more of the specifics. But there's more... Instances where insurance companies are being sued over what they don't cover. Right? Correct. And what is 
occurring more in those lawsuits is the outcome is the determination on medical necessity by the insurance companies are not always made by medical professionals. They're made by the accounting department. It's very difficult to get to a medical professional. I mean, there's so many layers set up mm-hmm. before that. Or to do that, you might yeah. so, be on the phone. And I have not read any of these court cases, but the gist of it that I can see is if the insurance companies lose the case, it's generally, well, you are denying based on the finances of your company, not based on was treatment actually necessary. And I think those are becoming more frequently we're seeing company insurance companies get sued and that's been the reason taken to the company for why the lawsuit's coming that there's no medical justification for why it's so hard to access these these treatments yeah which makes it very difficult to uh treat patients and we talk about medication let's just take medications alone you talk about medication adherence well a lot of times it's not the even the patient's fault. I mean, they just can't get the medication filled when they go to the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that until they go to the pharmacy to fill the medication. And that starts, you know, then the pharmacy can't fill it. Then they send a, a piece of paper, you know, fax it to the provider's office. Well, this has been denied. And then you have to get from the insurance company. Well, why has it been denied? So you have to do a first-level prior authorization mm-hmm. uh, and comes back denial then why has it been denied and you know you have all staff looking through well did they meet the criteria did they not meet the criteria and uh, it delays care mm-hmm. and you know it can also um, lead to higher levels of care because yep. you can't get a medicine so I mean I think most of us are in this profession to try to help patients. Mm-hmm. Now, we're just thinking of what medicines can best help, what procedures can best help, and this just delays things a great amount. And not only that, but it adds a great cost onto even being able, you know, to get a $4 med, you have to go through $100 of back office work to get a patient a $4 med. Mm-hmm. That is, that's ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. But insurance doesn't pay for the office work. No, they don't They're pay for that. They're just looking at saving the $4. Yeah, so then, yeah, so now I think what's coming out, luckily because of, of a lot of pressure that's been put on by various groups and and the government getting involved and say, hey, we're going to start looking at prior auth. Some of the insurance companies are saying, hey, we are now going to look at decreasing the percentage of prior auths. We're going to maybe for certain procedures, meds, we're going to decrease that burden. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, do they make changes that make any difference? Yeah. The the initial concern I think that comes up is if you look at what has happened with insurance companies in the past when they've tried to put different things on them, uh, do they just say, well, it's not available for prior auth, we never pay for it? That's an option. They could say, yeah, we're doing away with prior auths. That's just not a covered service on our insurance. Correct. And so now they're compliant with the law, maybe, but it's taken away 100% of access. And that's sometimes where these, the legislative process and the, the rules and regulations can be well-intentioned, but if you don't understand all the possible outcomes, right, you could end up doing more, <laughs> more harm than good. And, you know, in all the years, I... I've been doing this, 
and, and I think it really is true, is that the policyholder who has the holds the insurance, so the the consumer and the patients, you all actually have the most power. Mm-hmm. So as a group, um, you coming together say, "Hey, we want this to change." You have much more power than the providers or people delivering that business uh, because for somehow we seem to have skin in the game. Although there's really no skin other than decreasing the burden. I mean, we decrease our uh, overhead expense and some things we're able to do more things for folks. So it would be nice if we could deliver the care that could be the most beneficial for patients, mm-hmm. right? And it might be that, uh, say, we're two different providers. We might think a different medicine or a different thing might work, and they both might be equally efficacious, mm-hmm. and that should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, the the one I think we can just spend a second touching on, because I think this is the most helpful for patients that are struggling with approvals or prior author access, right, is... I think there's a large misunderstanding of who holds the power in the conversation, right? It's, I think, often assumed by people in general that doctors have all the influence with the insurance companies, right? So it's the patients calling the doctor's office and saying, why can't you get it approved, do more work, you know, make it happen. Well, if we think about the, <laughs> the triangle of insurance, patient, doctor, we get paid by insurance. The patient pays insurance. Correct. So who is the insurance company worried about making happy? Not the doctor, because if they pay us less money, they're winning. But if they make the patient unhappy and you switch your insurance, they've now lost their money. Correct. So the more complaints, the more they hear from the patient of, I'm not happy with the service I'm getting from you that I'm paying for. That tends to go a lot further in the, I mean, we've seen things get paid for that insurances say they won't because the, the patient has pushed for it, nothing that we've done. Yeah, and this isn't a, a total bash of insurance companies. I mean, uh, my dad was an insurance agent. I think insurance does do a lot of good, but this is an area that is, is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of middle people have been, even been put in their own organizations that they could get rid of this layer, and I think the whole system would function much better. You know, it's really, you know, I have a specific example that um, recently saw a patient was on a generic medication, Mm -hmm. been on it for years and years, Uh, but it was a certain dose that (laughs) this person takes four times a day. Mm -hmm. It's always been approved, Um, but they would only give a year approval that ended in the end of December. And you can't apply for the new prior auth (laughs) until the next year. So you're making it that it's not going to be approved, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes not approved on January 1st. So I have to write two different scripts for that person. So two different copays, which weren't a huge copay, the other one, but it doesn't matter. It's just the... Mm-hmm. And we were getting blamed. Well, why didn't you put in the prior authorization? Well, we had put in the prior authorization. It was denied initially. Mm-hmm. 
and we had to go fight it. This took, what is it, March? Um, it took three months. Mm-hmm. And the way the system is set up now, the approval is through the end of December this year. We'll have to go fight it again. Um, but it's the provider's office that gets yelled at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I say that in a good word. I mean, people are frustrated. Yeah. And we're the closest thing. And we're frustrated, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, you you know, you obviously aren't doing your job. Otherwise, you'd get it approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, we can only have uh, so much power. It's great if on the first prior auth we can get it approved. Yep. After that, uh, if we don't get it approved then, our chances probably go down to 15 Twenty mm-hmm. percent as a most, and if you get a whole bunch of those things coming in, you just there's just no way you can keep up with them. Mm-hmm. You go under as a practice if you yeah. So you can only do so much. So the let's talk about the entire prior auth process if we have to go through the whole thing. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I think. The other part people don't know, right? So we just use meds as an example, right? So you're going to write the script today. It goes to the pharmacy. So, potentially same day we find out it's a prior. Someone in the process finds out it's a prior auth. That is denied. That gets the pharmacy and they said, I can't fill that. Now, you need to know as as the patient, you always have the option to say, I will pay out of pocket and not use my insurance. So, you Mm -hmm. always have that option. So, if you're, you can ask how much would it be, self-pay, and even while we're working on the prior auth, you can pay for the medicine out of pocket. I mean, that works in some cases, but some meds are pretty darn expensive. Yeah. Sometimes it's cheaper to pay out of pocket. Yeah, sometimes it's... It's interesting how that works, yeah. but yep. can be cheaper. Um, so it gets denied. It gets denied, and then that information has to get back to our office. Correct. Right. So that can take up to a week. You know, usually it comes through pretty quick. Usually within 24 to 48 hours, we're, we're getting something back from most pharmacies. But you're potentially waiting a week for our, our office to get communicated. Yeah, because whatever, but just let's just take that one step. This is the <laughs> inner workings of offices, right? So uh, an outside entity, pharmacy, faxes it to our office. Does that go directly to a person? No, it goes into our <laughs> laundry list of, and, you know, it's top down. So right. if it comes in and you're, 2,000th on the list, because our yeah. list is long a lot of the time. Yeah, there's might be 300, 400 records uh, coming in a day, various mm-hmm. things. So those have to be sorted. So in this case, this would go to our nursing department. Yep. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't it go to the provider? <laughs> if you want to wait a lot longer, <laughs> <laughs> it can go to the provider. But uh, the providers have a team for a reason to, to do it. Yeah, the thing. provider does not... Yeah. have the time to do that and really they're no good at doing it either so in most cases it goes to yeah. the nurse and just team. think that when you come into an office what's the provider doing right they're in rooms with patients when are they going to have time to go check correct it's a lot longer process if we're waiting on the provider so it comes into our office now we have to figure out why they get denied right. so we're maybe spent you know some amount of time the first time looking at and saying what do we need to get if it's real easy and it's, oh, that information's in the patient's chart, we go pull the chart, we're getting it hopefully back out the same day. There's potential that not all the information needed is in the chart. So now we're requesting records from other places or we're having to call you as the patient and get more information. So 
for us to process a prior auth is somewhere between one and five days, generally. Yeah. So the, the after this, we start working. Yeah. So the first step at that point is if we don't run it through a system that it quickly approves it, mm-hmm. uh, what usually happens is, um, uh, say, nursing sends it to me, this has been denied. These are our other options. Mm-hmm. So from a provider standpoint, so I can get the patient a medication, I'm usually looking at those other options and seeing if that is something I could potentially try to use. Uh, but because if I know that there's three or four other things there, I mean, the chances of winning that, there's nobody to talk to at the insurance company, so you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to use what's on that list. Yeah. And it's very interesting. So you have to use this, even though uh, for various reasons, I would never choose that for that patient usually. Mm-hmm. And so it's reaching that back out to the patient and say, hey, they can self-pay for this if they can, or we're going to have to switch to this one. Mm-hmm. You know, And that has to happen in, in quite a few cases because we – you know, especially certain government insurance, we have no ability to do anything. Yeah. So there's times, yeah, we look at the prior author and we say there's no reason to resubmit. You have The criteria hasn't been met. We have to do X, Y, Z change. And that's the next step. Yes. If we determine we can resend the, send out the prior auth because we think we have the information necessary, well, insurance generally says they have at least 30 days to respond. Sometimes more. Well, there should be a place that we can send it in our own dedicated, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody dedicated to each practice will respond. You'd think so, but. (laughs) Doesn't happen that way. Sometimes you could be, we could be waiting a month plus to get a response. So at that week, at that point, you know, we're 30, 30 to 60 days into this prior auth process, just trying to get a treatment approved while the patient's waiting for treatment, right? Um. A lot of times it still comes back denied. Sometimes it comes back approved. If we talk procedures and things, sometimes there's a secondary or third step of trying to to talk and argue with the insurance. Um, Generally, that's not a process they allow for medications. Medications are going to tell us, these are your options. We're denying this one. Um, But yeah, the entire prior auth process to try and get someone approved is uh, very impactful to care especially the speed of care right you're, you're talking multiple months waiting on sometimes a med that costs less than fifty dollars a month so if you if there needs to be a prior auth process for certain things i i understand just there might need to be some degree of prior auth right but really should the prior authorization process lie within the people that are providing the insurance mm-hmm you know, we uh, we have to uh, what medicines we use are being approved or denied by the insurance company. So that prior off committee should really uh, be a centralized committee that has nothing to do with the insurance companies. They, it's in and of itself, it's a separate thing that uh, is working as sort of a intermediary that in and patients can get to. It shouldn't reside within each of the people who control all the other purse strings mm-hmm. within the thing. I mean, you know, the thing about med- medicine now, it really has nothing to do with what's best for you. It's controlled 
by other people besides your providers anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think the the last point I want to make because we have kind of beat up on the insurance companies a little. Oh, bit I know. We without them, it would be difficult, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it it's still a process, and it the unfortunate part is no matter what type of system we talk about, it, it has to fit into a financial model, right? Yes. Even, th- I know people argue, well, other countries, the one insurance model, there's still a financial backing that it has to fit into. And from what I've seen, luckily the U.S., patients here tend to have access to a lot more through our system. It doesn't mean it's easy, <laughs> but there's at least options for access. So it's just how... How do we go about getting it in the most time and time efficient way possible? Well, I think that is a good note to end on. Uh, a positive note by dear Matt there. So uh, thank you for um, listening to this episode of the Spoken D podcast and we'll catch you down the road. Thank you. Thank you.